Tonight, I'm letting y'all in on some real secrets from the hood. This is a series where I'm gonna let you know about stories that only folks from the street know. But y'all get a special sneak peek. We're gonna start off about telling you how the government leave guns in the hood for the street gangs. First, I'm gonna tell you about the origins of street gangs. It all started with the mafia. In the 1920s, America was in a prohibition which outlawed the making, selling, and transport of liquor. People freaked out. So the mafia got smart and they started bootlegging the liquor. For y'all that don't know, bootlegging just simply means they started making their own, which was against the law, and selling it on the side. Now we all know to break the law, you're gonna need some guns to do that, right? Keep yourself protected, keep your competition away. Bootlegging became a way for many poor people to make a lot of money. Folks would come from all over just to get a taste of their money. It was pretty simple for the most part. Get your truck, throw a couple bottles of moonshine in the back, drive it back to the city where you come from. They sold it in the joints they called speakeasies. The mafia extorted businesses. The way this worked is Whatever your company was, didn't matter. You had to pay them, because if you didn't pay them, later they'll come back and rob you and take everything you got. And even if you filed an insurance claim, they'll just rob you again and again until eventually you denied insurance. So you either pay them now or pay them later. Every week collections was made and a lot of people who refused to pay not only were robbed, but were beaten or maybe even killed depending on the situation. The black community needed protection from the mob and from the police. Many times the police was working for the mob. Mob members would steal, even kill. And as long as the police got their peace, everything was fine. But the black community didn't have anybody to turn to. 
If you did call the police, you was risking them turning on you. You can call the police and tell them about something that happened and report a crime. But they might mess around and catch you doing something. See something in your house that don't look right. And before you know it, even without a warrant, you could be the one in jail. So a lot of people were scared to call the police. And then there's always your neighbors, right? If your good old neighbors found out you was a snitch, ooh. So the black community needed somebody to protect them. Black people started the Black Panthers. The Black Panthers were originally in place to protect the community. They were in place to give the community their own form of protection. People they could turn to when they needed justice. Many of the members joined the military and were forced and drafted into the military. And after they came back, they were perfect fits since they knew how to handle weapons and fight. But eventually, the organization was infiltrated by drugs. The origins of those drugs are another story. I'll tell you one day. But for now, we're going to focus on the guns. The Panthers fought for open carry laws, but the NRA didn't support them. For y'all that don't know, the NRA is the National Rifle Association. The Panthers started to fight over their principles and the money that was coming in from the drugs sent a divide through the party. So on one hand, they fought for our rights, the rights of the black community. But on the other hand, that infiltration of the party played a part in tearing the same community they fought to protect down. Their leaders were starting to be killed. So there was no one to patrol the younger generation. No one to stop the young boys from going too far, being too hot-headed, being too greedy. The leaders that weren't killed gave into the greed, gave into that drug money. As crime grew, more and more people needed more and more drugs. So there was more and more robberies. More and more protection was needed. More and more guns were needed. But cities like Chicago, liberal cities, blue cities, they don't take too kindly to guns. So they put a strict 
restriction on guns. And in 1982, unless you already had your gun before then and was grandfathered into the new bill, you could no longer purchase firearms in Chicago. And at the same time, the crack epidemic was going on. Guns were needed by every gangster in the city. Four corner hustlers, the vice lords, the Latin kings, the gangster disciples, the Satan disciples, Spanish disciples, the new breeds, the black souls, the black stones, even the gay lords. Everybody needed a pistol. Everybody needed a rifle. Shotgun. They needed something. Not only did the gangs need guns, but even the lady walking from the bus stop at night, or the kid who had to walk past the dope dealers to get to school wanted a gun. But still, guns were a rare commodity unless you was willing to face that jail time. Robberies and burglaries were happening way more frequently than ever. That's because more people than ever was looking for money to buy drugs. Folks either wanted drugs to sell or to consume themselves. Some people wanted them for both reasons. Chicago citizens would drive out to Indiana to buy guns until the government got smart and started cracking down on them. Police would follow people with Illinois license plates and harass them and sometimes arrest them or even confiscate their guns off the record. One day, a freight train stopped in the middle of the hood. Now, the gangsters have been robbing trains since the cowboy times. It's nothing new, right? But the problem with these train robberies, where the trains weren't just filled with electronics or clothing or some other item that could be sold for a quick buck, these trains were filled with crates and crates of guns. Allow me to take a quick break for the sponsors. Then we're going to get right back to it. Now you would think a train so dangerous would be followed by police or have security on board, or something, right? Even had a staff disguised as a, you know, milk delivery, or cover the guns in rocks or coal, something. You'd think they would do something to throw off, you know, potential robbers on a train so dangerous. But they didn't. 
And the same gangsters that robbed these trains for money to go sell some items at the pawn shop were out the trunk of their car. These gangsters stole those guns and now we're in complete control of the black market gun trade. The murder rate shot up higher than ever. Higher and higher. Fist fights, the little scraps people were used to have, now turned into full-blown gun battles. Now fist fights turned into murders. Drive-bys were all too common. It was too easy for people to get their hands on a pistol at this point. Drive-by shootings were people blindly shooting to a crowd of people, a group of guys, a group of women, kids. You can't even count all the children lost in senseless drive-by violence. All these guns, but no training or no discipline. Just crazy amounts of murder. Eventually, crates of guns were found throughout the city, especially in alleys. Homeless guys, prostitutes working in alleys, or just a kid cutting through the alley to get home from school. People found crates and crates of guns. Kids found guns and ammo and carried these weapons with them to school, which led to many accidental shootings and many purposeful shootings. But we all hear the story of the boy that was playing with a gun and shot his friend, shot his cousin, shot his brother, shot his sister, or even shot himself. The rap culture helped turn guns into something cool to have. And because of that lack of gun safety training, kids got to these guns easily. Parents left their guns around. They didn't put them in safes. Or they didn't take extra measures to make sure the kids kept their hands off of them. So kids got access to guns and took them to the school with them, took them on a block with them, making up in their mind that when so-and-so mess with them today, he gonna put a bullet in them. Not understanding that that boy not gonna get his life back. The easy access to gun made murders way too easy to commit. Simple arguments turn deadly because someone draws a gun. Then someone else draws a gun. It happens every time. In the streets, once somebody pull a gun out, all bets is off. Ain't no more talking. Ain't no more fist fighting. 
Ain't no night, it's going, everybody going straight to the pistol. Now, why would the government do this? Why would the powerful people do this? Why would the ones with influence do this? Some say the police leave them now. They take hundreds, even thousands of guns and raids. Police bust down doors and arrest drug lords and they find stashes of guns that rival the military. What do they do with those guns? What happened to all them guns and ammo from the raids? But giving guns to gangsters would put police at danger, right? So it couldn't be the low-level cops. Maybe their leadership, right? Maybe it's the leadership and the police, the chief, the high-ranking officials. Cops have accused their leadership and not truly caring or looking at the bottom-level cops as expendable. I think we all are expendable at one point in our careers, right? It must be the high-level government officials. But how could they benefit from this? Can they make money off a of crime? Think about it. How does the government make money off a of crime? Some people say the government sells drugs and the government robs and steals. But how do they do it, though? Is it the prisoners? Now, for some of y'all that may not know, prisons are owned by investors, owned by businessmen. And these businessmen, these companies, sell products to the prisoners but they mark them up four or five times the usual cost. I'm talking about tissue, cans of soup, other basic items, soap, all these different things that people need on an everyday basis are donated to prisons at up to five times market retail price. Every prisoner generates income, especially through jobs where they're paid pennies on a dollar to do a task. the companies that the prisons contract for this work and supplies, who are they owned by? Could they be friends of the government? The government officials who had the power to arrange guns being dropped off in the hood? Could government officials leave guns in the hood so more crime can take place? So more people can go to jail? So more money can be made off prisons? What if the reason for this is something more evil? 
It's evil enough to cycle people through prison, put criminal activity on their records, make them pay crazy court fees and probation fees when they can't even get a job because of the felony on their records, but they have to pay these fees or else they go back to prison. What is it? What is it? Could it be the genocide of a group of people? You know, many street gangs is filled with young black and brown youth in Chicago. Government officials and members of the social elite have been accused of creating and backing racist and prejudiced policies that make employment or finding housing, or even obtaining a decent education extremely difficult. Are these guns given so the world can sit back and watch the black and brown people kill each other off? People who grew up in these disadvantaged communities have been viewed as a threat to society. Is that really fair? My hope here is not to make excuses or accuse anyone. I just hope to make people aware of the death and destruction caused by selfish, ulterior motives of many different organizations. No matter if they are street gangs or government gangs. I want to give a special thanks to y'all who, you know, take money out your actual pocket and donate to this podcast. I thank you so much. Right now, I got three people who supporting the podcast. It's a blessing, man. I can't believe that people, you know, actually, it's just an honor that someone can, you know, put their money towards me telling scary stories. So I'm going to make sure that I keep it going. I'm going to keep giving y'all as many stories as I can, as fast as I can. And for the three of y'all who did that, you are my prayers. You know, I love you. I thank you. And, um, you know, anything you need, horror-wise, hit me up. I give you, you know, your story ideas. Whatever the case is, just let me know. And I'm happy to do it for y'all, man. Thank you. And if anybody else want to donate, you go to anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash hood horror. And right there, you can, um, it says support this podcast. And they got a couple of different options, like a one, five, and a $10 option. And any of them, I'll be happy with any of them, man. <laughs> I'll take all that money. I don't care if it's pennies or what. Appreciate you, man. Thank y'all. Love y'all.